Welcome to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Think about it. Our view of God determines what we think on all moral, cultural, and economic issues. It even determines how we vote. Hope for the future of our country and our world lies in our ability to make God the issue in every issue. Secular culture almost daily accuses Christians of being unloving and even hateful. When we stand up for unborn children, we're accused of hating the mother. When we defend biblical morality, we're accused of hating homosexuals. When we support the police, we're accused of being racist. How should we respond? What is love anyway? Is it a feeling? Is it a choice? Is it romance? Is it self-sacrifice? Is it honesty? Is it kindness? Brad Bright, help us with all this. Thanks for being on the show today. Jim, wonderful being on the show today, and it's going to be a great conversation. Brad, when people say love is love, love is love, how do you respond? Well, how I want to respond is, is yeah, duh, and a rock is a rock, right? I mean, what on earth does it even mean that love is love? You know, wherever you are, there you are. Yeah. You know, does it mean that all forms of love are the same, that sexual love is the same as the love of a mother for a child? I, I don't think so. Or that all forms of sexual attraction are the same? Well, the word pedophile kind of destroys that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. So what? what? Does it just simply mean we're supposed to be kind to each other, always be nice? Am I always supposed to agree with you, even with I, if I think you're dead wrong? Am I supposed to tell you what you want to hear, or am I supposed to tell you what you need to hear? I mean, what does love do, really? I, you know, frankly, this love is love, it's simply a, a slogan on, the t- on a T-shirt. It's really not helpful at all. So the first thing I do when someone says love is love, or I see that, I say, I first thing is, what do you mean by that? Because it, it really is so vague as to mean nothing. So the first question is just, so what on earth do you mean by love is love? Do you mean that the same love for a pedophile is the same as a love for, for, for my kids? And obviously the answer is no. So it's, but, to, but to get people to, to start saying, well, this is what I think love actually is, get them to define it rather than just being vague. All right, so let's help our audience out and do some defining. What does it mean to love others? Does it mean giving them what they want? Does it mean agreeing with them all the time? Well, you know, Jim, secular culture says, if you don't agree with me, you're a hater. I mean, we hear that all the time, right? If you don't agree with me, you're a hater. If you don't give me what, you, what I want, you don't love me. Well, first of all, we need to recognize that for what it is. It's manipulation. We've heard the word, it is straight out manipulation. It's just like, you know, the young man who says to the girl, if, if you loved me, you would. Well, that, that's just straight up manipulation. There is nothing about that that has to do anything with love. So here's what you do. First of all, you recognize it for what it is. It's manipulation. Don't fall for it. Just call it for what it is. Call them on it, but do it nicely. And just ask, are you trying to manipulate me? Tell, tell me that you're not, you're not trying to manipulate me, but do it nicely. Do it conversationally. And it kind of puts them in a little defensive position that they know that they're going to do that again, that you're going to call them on it. You're going to call it for what it is. You know, here, here's the question. Do, does a young woman hate her boyfriend? I mean, because he, he, she tells him no. You know, do I hate my child because I won't let, let my child have a fifth piece of chocolate? I tell them no. Is the pastor a hater? because he tells the married people in his congregation that God says, don't commit adultery? Well, well, no. You see, Jim, I've been dealing with cancer for the last year and a half. Now then, the doctor told me I had cancer. Was that nice of him? I didn't want to hear I had cancer. Didn't want to hear it. 
But you know what? The nice thing to do was actually to tell me the hard thing. I had cancer. He did it nicely. He, he, he was kind about it, but he, he was clear I had cancer and I needed to deal with it. Sometimes the kindest thing to do, because sometimes the most loving thing to do is to tell people the truth. But, and here's the caveat, but how you say it makes all the difference in the world. It makes the difference between whether you do it in a hateful way or a loving way. But we do sometimes have to tell people the truth. Yeah, I think our moms always said, your tone of voice says everything. I didn't like your tone of voice, Bradley. I'd like you to fix your tone of voice. Why don't you try that again? I don't know. My mom, would, she'd pull out the whole James Harold thing when I'd use the wrong tone of voice. I don't know what your mom did with you, but all right. So the Bible. Well, 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 you know, we did, that, we did that with our kids. Our kids would say, we always said, you're always welcome to say whatever it is you're feeling. Try to say it nicely. So sometimes they just blurt it out. It sounded kind of mean, especially if I heard them talking to their mother. I'd say, okay, rewind, rewind. Say, you can say that again. Say what you really think and feel, but can you say it nicely? And so we learned our, taught our kids to, how to learn to say things, say hard things nicely. Hmm. Yeah. I think we're Great got a skill. whole society. We got a whole society that needs to learn to do that so we can have conversations. All right. The Bible says God is love. What does that mean? Does it mean God's always nice? Well, have you read the Old Testament? I have recently? several times. <laughs> well, if you've read the Old Testament, you know it's not true that God is always nice. He ordered the Israelites to wipe out entire nations and entire people groups. You see, but the thing is God loves people, but he hates sin. God is both loving and just, and we have to balance those two things. So yes, God is loving. God loves people. Now, if you've read what Jesus said to the religious leaders in the New Testament, you know also that being loving is not always being nice because he humiliated the religious leaders. But Jesus himself said we are to love God, love our neighbor, or even to love our enemies as ourselves. But the question is, is how do you do that, Jim? What do you mean humili- he humiliated the religious leaders? He just, what, what do you mean? Well, well, you know, when the religious leaders came to him, he, he called it, you know, really, Jesus called the religious leaders hypocrites 20 different times. He called them hypocrites publicly in front of everybody. He called them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I mean, that wasn't very nice, was it? Sepulchers for but today's he, generation, that would be a tomb. A tomb, a, a, a garden, yeah, a grave, a, yeah. A, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but so Jesus wasn't always nice, but Jesus's goal was always to give people what was true in a way that they could hear it. Had Jesus been nice to the Pharisees, they probably couldn't have heard it. So he drew a line in the sand for them. He gave them a clear choice. But most of the time, Jesus didn't deal with people that way. He dealt with people the way they needed to be deal, dealt with. And that is what love does. We're talking about love in an angry culture. And anybody listening to this podcast that's from the United States of America knows that we live in a pretty angry culture. And we're trying to give us a, a perspective on how do we bring that love to our culture in a way that's not angry and that is loving so that we can accomplish what Jesus said to do, which was love God, love our neighbors. We'll be right back with more on God is the Issue with Brad Bright after these messages. Want to know more about how you can make God the issue in every issue? Get your copy of Brad's book, God is the Issue. Now in its third edition, you can get your ebook copy at brightmedia.org. Even better, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll receive a coupon for one free download of God is the Issue ebook. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and get God is the Issue ebook 
today. Welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast. Our topic for the day is love in an angry culture. We're making God the issue in every issue, and why not make God the issue in love? Uh, talking about love in an angry culture, and of course, it's part one of a two-part series that we'll talk about this conversation because it's a pretty deep conversation. Brad, many Christians don't even know what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. They think that it means you have to learn to love yourself before you can love others. What did Jesus actually mean? Yeah, You know, according to Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself means, and you've heard this before, you maybe not have connected it, you've heard it. It means do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's really all he meant. You don't have to love yourself in order to treat another person the way you would like to be treated. We can all start doing that today. You know, it, it kind of, this mentality kind of reminds me of the, of the story of the young man, and he was interested in this one gal. And finally, he asked her out on a date, and finally the, the evening came, and he picked her up in his car, and, and they went out, and they arrived to the restaurant, and he just started talking to Blue Streak. He talked, started talking about all of his accomplishments, his hobbies, things he loved to do. And finally, he just stopped and said, oh, my land, enough about me. What about you? What do you think about me? <laughs> oh, my. But isn't that how we are with God so much of the time? I, you know, love your neighbor as yourself is about how I treat others. It's not about me. It, 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 it really is. It's not about me, and let's not make it about me. It's about how I treat others. That's what Jesus meant. And in, and in all of Christianity, it's never about you. It's always about Jesus, and it's always about others. You know, Jesus also said, he said some tough stuff. There's one of them. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So love your enemies part. What do you think he meant there? I think it's well, pretty look, obvious, but, you know, let's just let you parse it out. Well, he told us what he meant, actually, in the very next sentence, you know, Luke six twenty seven. He said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. In other words, what does love your enemies mean? It means do good to those who hate you. Any of us can do that, right? You don't have to feel good about yourself. You don't have to get your ducks in a row. All you have to do is do good to those who hate you. That's all Jesus meant. And then if that wasn't enough, he later told us the parable of the good Samaritan. That is this person, the Samaritans, that the Jews hated both because of their ethnicity. That was their only half-breeds. You know, they're half Jew, half Gentile. And because of their theology, although they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had a bunch of funky theology in there as well. And so the Jews hated them for both reasons, and they hated them passionately. And so Jesus taught about a good Samaritan, which for a Jew would be a totally oxymoron. They would have gone, there's no such, there's no such thing. But so Jesus told the, the story of the good Samaritan who did good to a Jewish man. And that's what Jesus was talking about. We do good to those who hate us. That's really, really all he meant. But it, it's like this. I, you know, one of the stories I read a few years ago that really embodied, embodied this whole concept is a story of a, of a black man named Daryl Davis. And it's the most incredible story. I, I, I really recommend everybody go online and go read it. But it's a black man who befriended over 20 members of the Ku Klux Klan, of the KKK. He, he befriended them. He, he bought them, you know, he bought him, buy him a cup of coffee. He'd buy him a meal. He asked him to come to his concerts. He would include them in his life and they would begin talking and dialoguing and they became his friends. And as they became his friends, they realized, I don't believe in this white supremacy thing anymore. And you know, they, they would give him his robes. And so he has over 20 KKK robes in his closet today. But what's more amazing is there are probably 200 people today 
200 white people who left the Ku Klux Klan because of Daryl Davis, because he befriended him. It's, you know, that's why Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, befriend those who hate you. That's what Daryl Davis did. I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus or not, but he did what Jesus told us to do. Martin Luther King put it this way. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's what Daryl Davis did. My dad said he believed there was another revival coming to America, even though he knew he wouldn't be around to see it. But he said, I will believe it'll be characterized by love. So my question is for our listening audience is, are you willing to be a Daryl Davis and befriend those who hate you? Do unto others as they, as you would have them do unto you. Better yet, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, will you do unto others as God has done unto you? Hmm. you do you imagine that's why Paul said, don't grow weary of doing good? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, Every day. Yeah, sometimes no good deed goes unpunished. It's a tough one. <laughs> a lot of good deeds don't go unpunished. And reality is, you're going to befriend a lot of people, uh, uh, people who do not want to be befriended by you. They're right. going to reject you. But some will accept that, and you'll be able to bring them along. So, All right, so what, is it, what does it look like to love pre-believers? I don't like to call them non-Christians because it says in Revelation that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So everybody will believe. So right now they're pre-believers and there's believers. So what does it look like to love one of those pre-believers who maybe not so easy to love? Well, you, you know, they're not. Your statement kind of reminds me of how my daughter, when she was younger, regarded people. There are two types of people in the world, friends and future friends. Those are the only two types. So that's that kind of the same concept. But I, I think how do we love, love these folks? I was up in uh, Charlotte, this was a few years ago, and seen a friend of mine, and he had just come back from seeing his dad. And his dad was a wealthy guy, but just mean as a junkyard dog. And he came back discouraged, talking about how his dad had treated him. And I just finally turned to him and I said, you know, Larry, does it hurt when a blind man steps on your toe? And he said, yeah, it does. I said, but are you offended? And he said, no, I'm not. I said, your dad is blind. Yes, it hurts, but don't be offended. Never condemn a pagan for behaving according to their nature. Pagan's going to behave like a pagan. This is why the apostle Paul never told pagans to change their behavior. Never. He always told them to change their God. We should learn from the apostle Paul's behavior. I remember doing a God is the issue seminar up in Northern California. And it was a Friday night. There were about 200 people there. And I finished the lecture part, which is about the first hour, and turned it to Q&A and, 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 uh, and roundtable discussion and case studies. Well, the first guy who stood up was this guy who said, I- I'm so-and-so, and I'm the head of the Gay Lesbian Alliance here in town, and I have a question for you. And his tone said he's loaded for bear. He said, okay, what's your question? He said, well, you Christians, you talk about love, and then you exclude us from the church. How can you do that? And I said, okay, stop right there. Stop. He said, if we're going to have a conversation, we need to agree on one thing. And if we can't agree on it, we can't have a conversation. I said, do you want to know what it is? He said, yes. He said, we have to agree that God loves you just as much as he loves me. Are we agreed? And he went, uh, yeah, okay. I said, okay, now what's your next conference? That's what's your next question. Let's have a conversation. Well, it was only supposed to go for another hour. It went for another hour and a half, and this guy was up and down. And finally, he came and stood up with his last question, and he said, you know, I just don't think we're that far apart. And I said, oh, you're dead wrong. 
And I said, let me explain why. You start with your behavior and try to conform God to your behavior. I try to ascertain who God is and conform my behavior to God's character. I said, as, as long as our starting points are so diametrically opposed, we'll never really find common ground. And he went, oh, and sat down. Finally, he had the real answer he needed of what was really the dynamic, what was really going on. And we had a very great conversation, nice conversation, cordial. I mean, the point's a little intense, but very cordial, very respectful. But you see, because of that, I was able to have that conversation and bring him the next, next step in his understanding. It wasn't a spitting match, it was a real conversation. And if we're going to love our neighbors and love those, those beside us who aren't followers of Jesus, we need to learn to have those conversations to draw them in. Mm. Brett, well, I, I just got to go back to your point where you said, we got we to gotta stop asking pagans to change their behavior. We need to ask them to change their God. We're talking about love in an angry culture and making God the issue in this issue. We'll be right back with lots more of Brad Bright as we talk about love in an angry culture. Check us out online, brightmedia.org, brightmedia.org. Be right back. Brad Bright travels the country speaking and training people how to make God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, to find out how you can bring Brad's highly interactive workshop to your area. It's fun, engaging, and most important, it will help make you more effective in making God the issue in every issue. Go to brightmedia.org, that's brightmedia.org, and schedule Brad today. Hey, welcome back to the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Brad, we were talking about how do we love in an angry culture? What is the key to having an honest conversation with someone who totally disagrees with you? To answer that question, I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer you to a, to a little story. It's a guy by the name of Penn Gillette. You probably know who he is. You just don't know him by his last name. He's part of Penn and Teller. It's the, the two magicians. They do, they do a whole show. They're phenomenal magicians. They've really perfected their skill. But Penn tells the story. And he's, this is online. You can Google it. Just, uh, just Google Penn Gillette, um, and, and it'll, it'll begin to take you. Penn Gillette, uh, I forget. Anyway, you, you can tell after I tell the story. Um, but he tells the story of a Christian who came up to him after one of his shows and gave him a Bible. And he said he had wrote in the, written the flyleaf of the Bible, and, and he said, you know, I'm an atheist. This guy knew I was an atheist, and he gave me a Bible. He said, but I wasn't offended at all, because I could tell this guy actually cared. He said, in fact, in fact, if you really believe I'm going to hell, I, I would hope you would tr- come and try to proselytize me, as he said. He said, how much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize them if you really believe they're going to hell? And so he chatted a little bit more, but then he, he, he gave me the key to how do you have these conversations? And he framed it this way. He said, be polite, but honest. Be polite, but honest. And I thought, well, how simple is that? We can have these conversations, but we need to be polite. That is, we extend respect, but we're honest. Now, a guy who is an atheist said this. This is a guy who's an atheist. He, he taught me something powerful. Be polite, but honest. Now, this is in contrast to the woke movement in America today, isn't it? The woke movement, the, the, one of the biggest problems of the woke movement in America today is their attitude. I mean, talk about a nasty attitude. You're a racist. You're a bad person. You know, I'm right. You're wrong. Sit down, shut up and listen. It's the shame and blame game. That's anything but being polite, isn't it? 
But the reason I bring that up, I bring it, bring it up for a reason. The next time you're talking with someone who's not a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about how it feels when some self-righteous wokey accuses you of being a racist or an Uncle Tom. It doesn't feel very good, does it? Mm, no. And why I, want you, why, why I want you to think of it, really, it, it is because your goal is to win a person. It's not to win an argument. Don't be like, like the Wokies. Be like Jesus. We're going to pick up this conversation in our next podcast, Love in an Angry Culture. Brad, great conversation, great layup. I can't wait till we really dive deeper into this conversation. But thank you for bringing it to our attention. Love in an Angry Culture. Thanks, Brad Bright. Jim, thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the God is the Issue podcast with Brad Bright. Remember to check us out online, brightmedia.org. Remember, always be kind, compassionate, and shrewd while making God the issue in every issue.